Hello and welcome to Creativity Uncovered. My name is Abby Gatling and I'm on a journey to uncover how everyday people find inspiration, get inventive and open their imagination. Basically, I want to find out how people find and use their creative solutions at home, work, play and everything in between. And my goal for this podcast is by the end of it, you'll be armed with a whole suite of tried and tested ways to summon creativity the next time you need it. Um, Today, I am speaking to Clinton Weeks, and Clint is um, what I like to call a free-range human. Uh, He's one of those people who puts family and fun front and centre in his life and basically structures his career around that. Um, He's also an avid reader and a super deep thinker, and so I'm keen to kind of find out a little bit more about him today and pick his brains on creativity. So welcome, Clint. Thanks, Abby. Great to be here. I'm very excited. Ah, the pleasure is all mine to have you on here. (laughs) It's a great intro. (laughs) Yes, you like like the free-range human part? (laughs) Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, and so I guess like a little bit of context to that is that you know, like our paths have crossed um, quite a few times and it seems like every time they do, you're doing something new and exciting. There's something crazy going on in your world. Um, and most recently we've reconnected because you're working with a client of mine. Um, and so I'm not really sure where this conversation is going to go today, but <laughs> I thought, why don't we start with just like a little bit of context um in terms of like your career because um one of the reasons why I want to talk to you today was that there's quite a juxtaposition between say like the roles in the industries that you've been working in and then your outside life and I find that I find that really interesting I think that'll give a lot of context to our chat today so do you want to just kind of briefly tell us about what your working journey has been like and um then we can kind of go on to what you're up to now yeah, sure. So out of uh, out of school, I didn't really have a good idea of what I wanted to do. I, I love creative things. I thought maybe I would become a video game designer or something like that, some sort of creative pursuit where I was creating something. Uh, but I fell into a bank job, a bank teller, um, due to some family connections and didn't really think much of it. It was just a job at the time. And like like most jobs, you you do stay in an industry that you know and you build knowledge in and experience. And, and you're good at, yeah. Yeah, and you're good at. And I wasn't actually very good at the first few jobs in, in a bank, but I found my <laughs> footing in financial advice, which is probably a bit more analytical, a bit more um, looking at a, someone's holistic uh, situation, which suits me more. I'm a bigger picture person more than a um, minute details. It's not that I can't get to a detailed level. It's just that that's just way less interesting to me than a a big overarching plan or context. So about a decade later, I I sort of broke away from that and started to work for myself. So it took me about a decade to realize I liked flexibility and freedom, um, the free range part you were talking about. And that suited me. And I had enough experience to go off and do the same job effectively uh, for myself. Um, so very variations of that. Um, ensued but where I'm at right now is probably the optimal version of it at the moment which is not a lot of hours per week uh, working for myself I have my clients and it it's in a it's in a job where I do documentation 
to that helps provide financial advice to people. So I'm sort of the back end support or the middleman uh, in the process. And that really suits me because it allows me the most flexibility to basically uh, create space in my life to do as many other things as I, as I want to do. And that's why you notice uh, most of the time, every time you see me or hear about me, I'm doing something different. It's because that that space I've created is just really an area where I can I can just, you know, carve into whatever I like and and change and and morph and transform. So that's really interesting to me. That's just how I like to live. Uh, it's not for everyone. It, it would, um, for some people, that instability um, and that that space would would be scary. Um, but I've spent a long time carving that out, so it's it's quite instinctual to me at this stage. You've kind of perfected it by this stage, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, you don't know if it's going to work for you until you try it, and yeah. um, you just have to keep trying things until something feels good, and then then you might analyse why that is. Uh, then you might push it to its boundaries. Yeah, so that's that's kind of what I'm still doing, uh, and that that won't ever stop. That'll that'll just be a constant lifestyle that that I'm I'm going to tinker with over time. Absolutely. It's, it's a really, it's a lifestyle approach, it seems, like ultimately the lifestyle approach. But I suppose you kind of mentioned it before, that you kind of, kind of fell into, you know, banking and then, you know, then moved on into the finance industry. And I guess that's the interesting part for me is that from the outside, financial planning, finance, banking, all that seems, you know, quite serious, quite dry. Um, and that's very different to kind of the the Clint that I know. And and I kind of wanted to know, like, in those roles, did you ever consider that, oh, you know, maybe there's creativity to be found in these roles or this is just a means to an end and I'm going to get my creative fill elsewhere outside of my regular job? Yeah, I think you could apply a lot of creativity into the role. Um I choose not to mainly because I can segment it off as a sort of limited bucket almost. So if if you think of it like almost an automated process in my life, so the same way that you might not think about, um, you know, putting on your clothes in the morning, you just know how to do it or you drive your car and you're kind of thinking about other things. I can kind of do that in my work at a high level, mind you, but it doesn't sort of take away from the energy and power of my day. Um, so I choose to instead make it more of a limited type uh, process in my life, almost like an automation to achieve the further goals that I have. It's it's almost like you can do it in a professional and expert way, but you don't have to spend a lot of extra energy on it if you've almost mastered it in that in that limited way. If mm. if you want to take it further, you've probably got to inject a lot more energy and um, thought and time into it if you want to sort of innovate it and create more things into that, um, you know, something that can be quite bland as, a, as an industry overall. Yeah. So it's kind of streamlining what you have to, taking the brain space out of it so you've got more space outside of that to pursue other things. Absolutely, kind of, yeah. Like what, what was that CEO who used to wear the same outfit every day to still yeah, well, use that design? Uh, that, I um, think Steve Jobs did. Steve yeah. Jobs, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I feel like a few of them, like um, Bill Gates, he seemed to always be wearing the same thing. <laughs> I think Barack Obama did the same. I think yeah. the suit and tie, so I, he might have had two um, and he just switched two. 
Yeah, um, yeah. Because I mean, what he wanted to, what he saw was he saw compartments that he could just automate or limit. Uh, brain power is then used because you only have a certain amount of sort of energy, time, effort that you can put into a 24-hour period or, or, you know, 16 hours before you sleep again. So you've got to choose where you're going to put all that. And if I can achieve my goals of, um, you know, my job and providing the value that I need to uh, in my job and the money I need to support my lifestyle and my family, uh that's that's a conscious decision to kind of limit the creativity in that job um and and lots of people do that even in uh you know roles that are probably seen as default creative so like you might think of like a pop star um they might limit the palette and the type of style and the type of songs that they're going for to really um almost cage themselves in to a particular audience, a particular outcome, a particular type of contract they've got with their recording company. Um, and this limiting can be really in itself is almost like a, a creation because if you take away certain things and and um, you put boundaries onto things and you can't go outside those boundaries, that in itself is, is kind of shaping what the thing is. Uh, so yeah, in itself, limiting can be a can be a tool used as well. Yeah, <laughs> that's an interesting point, and and also, I I mean, I find that you know, I love cooking, and uh, I find that if I've got if I have to make a list to go out and buy ingredients, I'm absolutely flummoxed. But where I really shine is when I have those limits where I'm like, I can't go to the shops. The shops are shut. I don't want to go. I have this potato and I have, you know, this can of tuna and I've got to make something amazing out of it. Like the, the limiting, uh, limiting myself to a couple of ingredients kind of makes me be my most creative when I'm cooking. Yeah. It shapes, <laughs> shapes what it's going to be, right? Uh, yeah. Just by those factors. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so, you know, these, these are all different uh, styles of that limiting that we're talking about, but, but your job can be the same thing. Like, Everyone decides, uh, let's say if you start your own business, you start to decide what the design of the business is, what the philosophies are, the values, the culture, the mottos, the workflows, the product, the uh, price that customers are going to pay. These are all these are all types of things, but we don't really think of them because they can change and because they do have a lot of other possibilities that they can be. We don't think of them as limits, but as soon as you start to shape it and it starts moving in a direction, it's you've already done that. Uh, it'll never, it can never be limitless again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting because I think your approach to um, to that and saying I'm going to have my creativity outside of work. I'm going to keep work just as it is, um, and and knowing that you can find it elsewhere is sort of kind of the exact opposite approach that I took to, to my career is when I had before I started my business and I can now I've got unlimited capacity to be creative and it's an amazing opportunity for myself but prior to that when I was working for the government working for the universities um I had limited ability to be creative in my roles but I was absolutely squeezing the most of it as most of it as I could out of there trying to inject it in every every which way 
um, mm. because I needed that and I didn't have it outside of work at that point in time because I was working so much. So yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like we both uh, get, have this need and we're fulfilling it in completely different ways throughout our careers. That's just so good, like the way that you're doing uh, your creativity now in your businesses, right? Uh that is just a different approach. It, there's no right or wrong way to doing it. So they, but the way that you're approaching it is more of a uh, doesn't have uh, defined boundaries necessarily. Yeah, you might have some limits to the initial style, and you know, once you give it a name, that's it's got its name now. It, it the name's not going to change next week uh, because of that. But outside of that, you're kind of letting it go where it wants to go, and that in itself will inform what it will be because you've made that decision to kind of let it flow and and go outwards whereas like the example we gave just of my finance work it's by limiting it will just define what it can be and where it will go sort of inwards if you know what I mean so Mm. that neither approach can be right or wrong because um firstly the end result of what they will be isn't determined yet anyway uh that's kind of when it's all said and done and that that business or that that work is finished but uh, only then can we count it all up and say what was right or wrong. Um, and even then, uh, it depends on the outcome of what you're trying to achieve. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think um, I think in the past when I was trying to do that, it was because I didn't have the brain space outside of work to be able to try and do that. Yeah, and then you used now- it all up by the time you got home. Oh, absolutely. It's exactly what you're saying. You've only got a limited amount of energy and brain space throughout the day. But now, um you know, doing all sorts of things, now running this podcast, I'm feeling more inspired and more engaged with my creativity than ever. And so at the end of the day, I still have this need to keep doing it. So, you know, I've started doing my painting again and reading more books about creativity. And like, I've just got this kind of, I've increased my capacity for creativity, Mm. even though I'm getting so much more than I was like four years ago. Yeah, so you're having more inputs into your system, um, but they're not wearing you out because they're almost your your neural networks are like creating this extra space, um, mm. and um, it's energizing. <laughs> yeah, and this and this mind and this space where this information can go. There's no sort of limits that we know of that uh, you know you can, you can't really fill it up. People people think of the mind a lot like a container. This is this is kind of a been a a bad metaphor for a long time, a container that you fill up and you only have a limited amount of space in that mind. But if you think about it, we could talk and we could talk, we could talk for the next 50 years every day on here and we'd never run out of bandwidth to discuss new ideas, new information. And that should be a clue that uh, it isn't really a container that can be filled up. It, it can just keep going and going and going. Like we learn new words every day. We form new relationships every day. We keep doing new experiences. That should be a clue to people that this metaphor of like the mind being a container and limited, it it really is just, it just can just go on forever. Um, so It's not a one-in, one-out situation. Yeah, and you're, you're living proof mm-hmm. of that because you're putting more inputs into uh, your system and yet you're more energised and more, You've got more things, more space almost. So it's it's just good data to say, hey, we've probably thought about this a little bit wrong um, and we should be focusing a little bit more on the sort of the infinite capacity of our minds rather than 
the limitations of like our finite energy and and things in the day. Yeah, absolutely. I think like a few of the, uh, some of the other people I've spoken to on this podcast have spoken so much about mindset and its relationship to creativity. And that's, that's kind of playing into this as well, is that if you do think it is, I can't learn that, I've got enough things on my brain already, oh, I can't, you know, I only, I don't have enough time or whatever, yet you're never going to be able to expand your mind to then take in these new experiences. Yeah, yeah. It's it's almost a breaking down. Like it's, it's almost like um, a dam um, rather than just like a gradual expansion. There are like, I, I think physically that analogy works where you can expand it as in uh, you can create new neural networks that um, either haven't been there before or have laid dormant and you've reopened them through extra reading and thinking and um, maybe other activities like dancing and music and just anything else that you can do to stimulate yourself and create new inputs. But I think in the, uh, I guess, being aware and what the mind is capable of, I think the analogy is more like a dam uh, that you you kind of think you're limited in your energy and your your mind, uh, what information you can put in. And as soon as you can kind of break through and go, it can just be anything and as big as it wants to be, you're just there already. It's like a it's like a switch almost. So um, I don't think it's a gradual thing. I think you either get it or you don't. And there's people on this side of the fence and they just need to some, you know, prodding and some extra knowledge to get them over to the other side. They're just lacking that knowledge that, oh, yeah, actually that the way I've been thinking is incorrect potentially. Yeah, absolutely. And that is one of the things that I've said a couple of times on this podcast is that I think everyone is creative and the people who say that they're not creative, they just haven't figured out the right way yet, the right way yeah. for them because it creativity I think is limitless and it is different for everyone. You know, for some people maybe literal creativity, painting, dancing, singing, whatever, but for other people, it's sitting with a problem and, you know, coming up with an insane solution to something seemingly yeah. inventing something new or, you know, just a little bit of lateral thinking. Sometimes that's that's what creativity is and what it manifests for some people. Yeah, I think it'd probably be a good time to, like, what you just said right then is the exact starting point, I think, for people that um, feel like they're not creative there'd be two two main things I would go to just to maybe enlighten them that they're already being creative, they just don't know it. And the first would be um, the understanding of how our brain works um, in the real world. So we, through our eyes, if we use sight as a sense, for an example, we can't see any objects in the world. We have light that hits our eyeballs. It's then sent through... Um, I'm not going to be able to get the technical terms right here, but our brain creates a uh, construction of the data that's being sent through. We never actually see the real world uh, in reality. We only see an, uh, a construction in our brain, an abstract image. Our brain recreates it like a virtual reality would yeah. in a video game. Perception, yeah. That's what our brain does. So anyone that's walking around and has eyesight, for instance, has one sense, is already creating their brain is actually automatically doing it they're, they're already a creative person just by 
physically being in the world. They're, they're just not really aware that, that everything they're seeing isn't a, a construction. It's abstract. So they're being abstract every time they see an object. It's not really the object. What they're mm-hmm. seeing is, is, is what their brain has created for them as a visual image yeah. based on the sensory data that's being sent to their body. So we're already creative, like just from the start. Our minds are creative already. And the second part is around problems, which you mentioned, which which really gave me the spark there to go into this point. And I have never met a problem a person that doesn't have a problem. And I believe that problems are the start of the creative process. I think every creation starts with a problem. So people always go to art, like music, as an example of being creative, right? Um, but even music starts with a problem and the problem is that an artist is trying to do something they're trying to either alleviate something or they're trying to display something or take something they've seen or thought and put it into a new medium which is music so they have a problem they like feel like they have to make this thing for whatever reason so they'll go and make it that will uh, start to try and alleviate the problem and it doesn't really have to be an art form to to be a problem to solve to be creative. You, like you mm-hmm. said, you can sit with a problem to try and solve it. That is the start of any creative process, and every single person has problems. Where people probably break down in the creative process is what next steps do they need to be part of it. If problem solving or the problem is the start of the creative process, you know what are the next what, next what few are the steps? next steps? Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. where it starts to get. That's where where it starts to get a little bit funky because really the next step after problem solving is in your mind you have to abstractly think of ways to solve the problem. So you have to come up with guesses at what would solve the problem. So, for instance, I want to write a rock song. Well, probably going to need to grab a guitar and think of a few things already before I pick up the guitar and start to strum it or do notes or come up with that, you know, that music, I've already guessed that if I do that, that's potentially going to be one thing I'm going to solve there. Mm. So in your mind, you have to start doing it. Now, where does that guess come from? Um, That's the bit that no one's really been able to explain. No scientists, no philosophers, no musicians have really been, been able to articulate. When you have a good guess at solving a problem, how did you come to that guess? There's ways to prove if the guess is kind of correct after that, but there's that little link from, I've got a problem. I reckon this will solve it. There's something in the middle there that we don't know what happens. And yeah. that's where people start to talk about spirituality. They say, I don't know where it comes from. It came from the gods. It came from the flow, the universe. They use all these different terms, energy, um, also, the we, environment around you as well, like, is giving you clues. Yeah. And, you know, if you if you had this feeling inside me like, oh, I need to write a song, <laughs> if someone, someone in the house has a guitar, you're like, oh, cool, that's, that's a good place to start. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is why I think it's important to surround yourself with creativity and open your mind to it because if you don't, yeah, as you said, like, if you don't see it and you don't experience it, then you're not going to be likely to go out and do it yourself yeah exactly and that and so creative people uh as 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 you know in quotation marks that 
that we see, they're really just different problem solvers. They're like, they're going around and they're very aware of their environment, their inputs, how they're perceived uh, potentially. And then they're just trying to solve all their little problems. They're like, this is what I want to focus on. This is where what I'm feeling. I'm going to kind of solve this. I'm going to scratch this itch. Okay, now I'm going to do this. Now I'm going to do that. And that's where you see the most famous artists. They don't really just do one thing. The 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 most celebrated critical artists, they could pretty much do anything in any medium. And that reason is not because they're so skilled at their craft, although some of them are because they've just done that craft for so long. Mm. They could literally pick up another craft and be good at that as well. And you think, how are these people so talented? And I don't think like most of it isn't inborn. Um, a lot of artists are, come from very ordinary working class backgrounds. They're not really, they haven't been brought up in a sort of particularly well manner. Um, mm. And it's just that they've worked out some space and time to problem solve. And when they solve these problems, it comes out as a creation or an invention or a solution. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's uh, yeah. And then we just go, oh my God, they're so creative. But oh my God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, it's, 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 um, it's kind of like, yeah, like that thousand hours of practice, you know, to become mm-hmm. an expert. It's, it's all about practicing, flexing your muscles and getting comfortable with that. Cause yeah, you said like an artist can do anything in any medium. That's because they've got those creative muscles fully flexed and they are, absolutely ripped at this point you know they've been basically going to the art gym (laughs) but it's the same with it's same with sports stars like how many sports stars do we see who are peak physical health and they can transition from rugby to cricket to you know ash barty look at ash barty right (laughs) is there any but there's no mystery there is there it's like we we kind of know how they did that uh, we don't know all, we don't have all the answers of every part of the process. Um, you know, is it, is it the, the percentage of time they worked at it versus their inbuilt DNA versus whatever? We don't have those exact answers, but we have a pretty good framework of how you get physically good at something, right? Mm. And th- this creativity, it, it really isn't that we, we have little bits where we don't know, but the process, I think it's pretty, I think it's 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 not that bad. Like you, you're already a creative person. You're already creating in your mind every day. Your mind's just doing that automatically, and it starts with solving a problem. That's it. it and this is in my opinion, of course. Uh, mm. um, and I think I think the other missing bit that people may not uh, realize about being creative is artists and creative people in general are really good at criticism. They, they may not seem like it when they receive the criticism in the moment, but they're pretty good because they're already adept at tuning into things. Um, they can take away criticism and it's one of the most powerful ways to like shape your creations and, and, and different things. So a lot of us don't take criticism very well. And if we just block off criticism and we only take praise and advice and feedback, but we don't take criticism, we don't serve to get a little bit better at what we do. And I think creative people are actually internally, even if they don't show it externally, they're, they're really good at taking on these this feed, feedback and criticism from people and 
or even themselves, you know, this has to be better. This has to be better. I know what I did wrong. Again, problem solving. I'm going to go and do this. Yeah. So I think it's a, I think it's a missing piece too, that um, you should, you should take all the information in and go, actually, even if they're wrong, I probably could learn from what this criticism means. You know, why is this person thinking this about me or where is this coming from? What am I missing in this part here? Yeah. And even if it serves to only highlight that they're completely wrong, they missed the mark, you've still got another insight that when someone says that, you've now thought it through and you've you've got even more data to go on and go, no, actually, I am right here. I will keep pushing because I've analysed that criticism. Yeah. That was Whereas if you don't take it in the first place, you, you can't even get to that insight. Yeah. Um, such a logical approach to creativity descent. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think if I spoke for about 100 hours, I don't think I'd ever get to that line of argument, <laughs> which is why I find this in this conversation so, so interesting because it's just um, it's expanding my mind to just thinking about it a little bit differently oh, and I, I think that's great <laughs> that's good I, I don't take criticism well I don't think many people do as a default you like we should be attuned our bodies should be like oh they're telling me the exact opposite of what I want to hear that's that's just all your all your nervous system is going to be like you know stop it's firing off yeah yeah and if you can control that a little bit or get on top of it and master it as a bit of a skill um even if you have that nervous system reaction that's okay as long as you take it and you're like yeah okay i can work with that yeah Uh, yeah yeah i think i think it's the fear of that criticism is what holds so many people back especially when it comes to being creative and being creative when you haven't been traditionally creative in a long time that you know you used to draw pictures as a kid but you haven't picked up a pen in like 20 years um it's about what happens if I pick up that pen, that pencil, that paintbrush, I put something out there, it's amateur, it's kid-like. And we know, we both know, like, it's short. It will probably be like that because you haven't flexed that muscle and you haven't been practising. But the fear of of what people will say when you do that and you put that little piece of yourself out there is, I think, a huge factor as to why, as adults, we don't do it regularly. Unless mm. it's your job, unless it, unless you're actually inverted commas good at it. <laughs> yeah, but no one thinks they're good at what they do. I've I've never met anyone that it. Well, I, what I mean with any stakes to it, like anything that has very real stakes to the job or the performance or the piece or object they're creating. No one, no one really thinks this is so good. It's like everyone has that. And it's just some people have just skilled it up to go, I, you know, I'm just going to push through the fear. And push through it. Yeah, they just, they've just worked it out. Like it's um, how to actually just live with it. It's a real thing. And that's really awareness. And, and you probably, with your other guests too, you probably talked a little bit about awareness and or I know you mentioned it yourself, so it might be something that, you have some good views on, but awareness is once you've got that starting, once you pass that damn point that we talked about there where you go, hey, actually, yeah, everyone is creative. Okay, so once you've got past that bit, you, your awareness is probably your number one weapon 
to start to like move from intellect, which like the criticism thing is like an intellectual take on um, sort of the creative process, but you have to switch gears a lot and you have to go into like awareness as what we call the medium. So you can think of like in art, there's different mediums, right? There's music, there's writing, there's dancing, there's uh, movies, film, um, visual, painting. They're all different mediums to convey something different. And when we think about creativity, we've got to switch into different mediums too in our mind. We we, we have to be able to intellectualize things. But once we've intellectualized, we then have to like switch to awareness. And awareness is more like an openness, more spacious, more infinite, more let it come. And this is what artists are really good at. They, mm. They've tuned into this space. If we can be aware of what's underneath, and just see those things as they are and just let them flow in, we don't have to always put these concepts and meanings and stories on top, especially straight away. We can let them breathe a bit and let them sit and don't even necessarily like try and solve them all, like going back to that problem solving. Just let them come, let them sit. And, you know, the way people should or could go about doing that is like, Things like meditation, where you can flex that muscle, like we said, training you, training your brain like you would um, your skills in in a sporting arena, mm. um, and just just being more like that. So, yeah, I don't know if any of that clicks with you for awareness and, and seeing <laughs> things for what they really are. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, that's interesting. Yeah, things popping into your head, you just sort of let them sit there. I, I certainly know that whenever I practice mindfulness which could be meditation could mean my yoga could even be just taking the dog for a walk getting your brain off the thing i'm talking about in terms of creative blocks now right mm. if i'm if i have something that is really up i'm up against it and i cannot figure it out doing taking my mind off it letting my mind be empty and is quite often the time that those solutions come into my brain or a new way to approach it or, you know, it's, I think, I don't know how people can use it to find their creativity, but certainly to work through creativity when it's not, when it's not flowing as easily as, as, um, as you need it to. Yeah. Well, it could be, um, it could be enlightening for someone to think about it differently. Like when you say, say you're taking the dog for a walk and just something pops into your head, you definitely didn't choose to think about that thing that popped into your head. And this is something when you do meditation and mindfulness, you you become aware really quickly. So anyone that hasn't done meditation that might be listening to this, this could be a foreign concept, but it could be really useful. The next thought that pops into your head, you didn't choose to think it, it just arrived there. And it doesn't really matter if if you chose to chose to think about it or you created it out of sheer what we call willpower or 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 you know conscious thought it doesn't really matter how it got there a creation is a creation and um it's it's really good if you if you do empty your mind that it just makes sense that there's way more room for things to appear it it just makes logical sense like even if we think of things in the real world like you can't fill up something that is just like completely full and burnt out and closed the lids closed the walls are short it it just doesn't make sense even in a in an analogy in the real world, let alone in your mind. But as soon as you empty it, empty it out and go for a walk, I actually had that same dog thought um, 
I was watching people at the park this morning. I went for a bike ride and uh, there was a big dog park and I was thinking maybe the connection there is especially like dogs are really simple creatures, right? And when you're with them by yourself and no other human is there, they, you can't really have that complex sort of analytical up in your head conversation like we're having now. You, you can't do that. It's just not on available to you. So what you do is you, <laughs> with you your just dog, like, do you mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you could have it with yourself, but you're kind of there on purpose with your dog to like throw the ball, go go, let him run in the lake or whatever. And I think it's that fact that if you are really present with your dog, and I was watching these people, that they just let their mind go. And that's why those thoughts could even appear, especially if you spend time one-on-one with your dog rather than just, you know, sitting across a stimulating conversation with just humans. Um, mm. I think that's why it works with dogs. Yeah. I think, <laughs> well, I mean, my dog hasn't had a very good conversation with me recently, but... <laughs> That might be working in your favor. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think it's true. I, I think like as you were saying that, I I sort of was thinking about like this this kind of work that I was doing about resilience a while ago when I was extremely, extremely stressed at work before I before I started my own business. And and it's sort of like this idea of you have this cup that um sometimes is full, sometimes it's empty, sometimes it's halfway. Um and Basically, you're again. This is not a really visual thing. thing. Yeah. So you imagine you're on a roller coaster ride, and you're slowly going up, up the first hill. You reach the top, and then you go down this the next hill. Then you're just constantly doing that up and down, up and down. And you know, in terms of the resilience, it's kind of like bit, bit by bit, things are taking and chipping you down. So you're going down this hill, and then. It takes a bit of time for you to be able to fill that back up again, mm. and and then you're ready to to go down the hill again. And it's the same thing, I guess. Like we're so busy, Zoom on Zoom every day, a thousand things happening. You're tr- thinking about the house, you're thinking about the putting the washing on, keeping your clients happy, all these types of things. And sometimes having that period of silence of nothing where you're thinking about nothing you're taking the dog for a walk throwing a stick it's like this beautiful bliss yep. <laughs> where you had your mind racing all day to all of a sudden kind of nothing happening as long as you don't take your phone with you that's like the biggest curse yeah. the dog walk. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like it's giving you it's kind of that beautiful release you let let your brain have some time yeah and then you come back and everything's like ah oh, i'm more resilient again i can have more ideas now. I, I'm ready to tackle that next problem. <laughs> yeah, and it's really cool. And for a lot of people, the thought just stops there or the tactic of this emptiness and this awareness just kind of stops in those moments where, you know, you're having a shower and that that's another one where nothing's really going on because you're just standing there, water's pouring over you. You're an autopilot. Yeah, there's not a lot to do. Uh, and the dog thing's the same. There's not a person to, like, take up all your mental bandwidth and meditation is the same. But if you strengthen all these muscles all the way throughout your day, you can actually you can actually find it seep into your conversations, your processes uh, and whatnot. And I, I know I, I do this like every day I 
take my little girl to daycare and on a bike. So we've got a tandem bike. She sits in the little um on the frame in front of me. And it's about it's about a 30 minute ride, 20 minute, 20 to 30 minutes. And she loves it. We put some music on. And then I ride back around the suburb and go get the groceries every day on this bike. And during that time, um, I've really tuned in. I I can have up to, I don't know, sometimes I can get up to 30 thoughts that like I've written down and I usually have my AirPods in so I can, uh, I have a shortcut voice shortcut on my phone so they don't have to get off the bike and type it all in my thought. And I can just say this keyword and uh, it will put it in my database. And then later on, I'll just might type it out a bit more or sort it out a bit later. And that's exactly like the dog situation. This is this is awareness I've built into a standard practice, which is dropping my daughter off to work and then going to get the groceries on a bike and then riding home. And that's how I start my day. And, and by the time I've got home, it's very rare that I haven't put one to five thoughts in there. And on the best days, like I said, like it, it might just be pouring out. And mm. a lot of this is just because I'm just on this bike ride and I'm not trying to do anything else. And yes, it's a little bit automatic because it's a, a very similar path each day. Mm. But then you can just keep doing this in, in your life. Like you can just make it seep into your work where you become a little bit aware of your shortcuts and where you get where you get a temp, chuck a temp, temp, um, a temper tantrum, um, where you get a bit angry that an email's come through that you didn't want today and this didn't work and whatever. And it just starts to bleed in all the time mm. and when this awareness happens starts to bleed into those things it's that bandwidth that we talked about up front mm. you can then just like start then either attacking these problems directly with creativity or or you know your intellect or you can you can start to even have some awareness that about ways of really changing the process or the problems altogether you know cutting mm. them out automating them making career changes changing what you do and and that's probably why um you know that I'm so transient in my activities outside of my work because I'm kind of like just listening to what's kind of speaking to me at that time and it yeah. just doesn't make any sense to be like um to you know give myself an identity which again is another construct okay I just do this I'm a basketball player or I'm I'm a guitarist only or I'm a you know, this or that. And it, it just makes sense to me to change those things as to dabble. information changes. <laughs> yeah, to dabble. Yeah. It Like it's really bizarre to me that people don't dabble more. Um, like I understand why that is. I, it just, I just can't get my brain around living that way because it's like we don't eat the same thing every night. It's like having the same dinner every night, just potatoes every meal. Mm. Um, no one does that. One night you're having lasagna, one night you're having a salad, one night you're having a steak. Um, and that's because it, it gets a bit boring and you, you do have the choice. Mm. And we can actually put this choice into our lifestyle as well. Um, mm. But you can't unless you first admit that everyone's creative and then secondly, like you flex that awareness muscle. Yep. So you start letting things in because, like, if you don't create that emptiness, that space, you, there's no there's no chance. Like, you get that that situation, which is so common that you're at with your job, and I was at one point or another too, where all your energy and creativity is just being sucked up into that mm. thing. By the time you get home, I, I, I remember someone uh, used the analogy that 
what you bring home after like a draining job uh, and a long job is like leftovers. So you know how like you take your lunch to work <laughs> and then you didn't quite eat it and then it comes back and it looks even worse because it's it's now not only last night's dinner but it's nearly been 24 hours and it's it's been in two fridges and yeah. like, that's what <laughs> and that's away. what you bring home but that's what you bring home of yourself and your mind and that's yeah. what that's the space you give yourself and your energy and your partner and and your dog and uh, and people give that to their kids as well. It's no wonder the kids grow up and they're like, oh, that wasn't wasn't the best childhood. It's because the way that, um, especially in the industrial age, we we come home and we're just drained. That's all we're giving to, like, these other people. Yeah. It's yeah. not a wonder. Yeah. Wow. I think uh, there's a lot to consider there. And that sort of reminded me of, um, you know, Dr. Adam Fraser's third space. Uh, he, he sort of talks about that, like that space between work and home and and what you do to transition between one and the other. So you're giving your best self for both for both environments. Um, I yeah. would recommend a read of it if you haven't read it already. No, I haven't read that one. I've heard of it. And, uh, yeah, and it, it, it's not even <clears throat> like it's just giving yourself a chance, right? It's like you may not achieve like what you're trying to achieve, but if you do like give yourself a chance, like you do – you know, change the structure, change the processes, and like have these have these uh, awareness and 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 things like that. You can start to go, you know, you can step back a bit from it and realize realize what it is, and yeah, just start to start to work at it. Like, just try things, you know. Too, it's like mm. it's almost like an experiment. Like things are, I would when I look around, things are like what they are already, and for a lot of people, they're not going to get much better. Um, like they're already redlining. It's like, you know, there's not much to lose in in experimenting a little bit with mm. this stuff. But again, some people don't even know they can. They they don't even realize they they can do this. And that's why, like a podcast like yours, if people hear this stuff, they're like, holy crap, you can just do that. <laughs> that's and, and, that, <laughs> and that's where creative people, like they've been doing it for so long and take it for granted that. You like you just think that way, mm. and it's and it's almost a switch. Like so, it's not even like a, it's not like training to become a doctor or something where it's going to take you ten years and you know hundreds of thousands of dollars in fees and things like that. It's you literally can just listen to a podcast or read a book and go, oh, okay, I'll try that now. Yeah. It's that easy, folks. <laughs> yeah, because it's all in your mind. And I, I think I think one thing that I really wanted to get across too was we hold lots of people, especially creative people, really highly um, on a pedestal above us. And like they're even a run, like even if you are a creative person already, you've you've got like idols. Um, you're like, oh, man, that person's so much more creative than me. Like look at the work they do and they've been showered in critical praise and commercial and in reality if if our minds are infinite and it's just a matter of coming to some awareness and realizations they're not as far away from you as as you think you think like oh they're an absolute genius how could I ever be like John Lennon or David Bowie or you know I go, I go to music straight away because that's um, something that I love but they have the exact same access to I guess you could call the universe or the flow of information that we all do. A lot of them came up in backgrounds that were even worse than ours. Uh, they came up in a time that was 
harder to get information. Um, yet they've worked out a way of tapping into it and like transforming their reality into something that um, you know shows pieces of themselves and uh, other people share them with other people and other people love them. We're just not as far away from that as we um, as we think uh, as those geniuses because we can actually just tap into the exact same information um, that they are. It's just it's just a matter of just doing it a little bit better for yourself all mm. the time. And then you might suddenly look up and you go, holy hell, I've got some like really insightful thoughts or processes or look what I made. And it's 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 only a few iterations away from being almost a genius work, you know, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, even if even if it's only in your head at first. Yeah. It's like it's not that far. Yeah, yeah. It's just about starting. Well, yeah. Clint, I think uh I feel like we could talk <laughs> for all day about this. There's just so much to cover. And I feel like I'll need to have you back on because we didn't even talk about your creativity and, and how you like to do it and what you do outside of work. And I, I think that'll be a great conversation. But um, I just want to say thank you so much for coming along and joining me today. And also thanks to um, everyone who has tuned in. Um, I really hope that this episode has inspired you to just start to get out there. Um, and also just to, uh, I hope that it helps you summon your creativity the next time that you need it. Thanks so much. If you've made it this far, a huge thank you for your support and tuning into today's episode. Creativity Uncovered has been lovingly recorded on the land of the Cubby Cubby people, and we pay our respect to elders past, present, and emerging. This podcast has been produced by my amazing team here at Crisp Communications, and the music you just heard was composed by James Gatling. If you liked this episode, please do share it around and help us on our mission to unlock more creativity in this world. You can also hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episode releases.